Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You are about to listen to episode 143. This is a replay of a very important episode I did about a woman that has shaped the entire homeschool movement and certainly shaped my life. Her name is Dorothy Moore, and she was married to the founder of the homeschool movement, Dr. Raymond Moore. Dorothy equipped me in practical ways that no one else ever gave me the tools to walk in. She was a brilliant, very wise woman who really lived in the realm of what it means to practically walk these principles out in our daily lives. You will love learning about Dorothy, and I think she'll be a heroine to you as she has been to me. Well, this morning, I wanted to share with you the story of a woman that's had a huge impact on my life, and maybe your life without even knowing her. Her name is Dorothy Moore, and she was married to Dr. Raymond Moore, who she and her husband really were considered the grandparents of the homeschool movement and really the founders of it here in America and internationally. She had a huge impact on my life. It didn't begin well. Uh, The first time that I heard Dr. Moore on the radio, I almost drove off the road, and I was so angry by the things he was saying that I turned the radio off. But soon after that, I read one of Dorothy and Raymond's books, and kicking and screaming, I became a homeschooler, and we just began this journey never dreaming the impact and the friendship that we were going to have with these two amazing people. Let me tell you a little bit about Dorothy. She was born on a farm in South Dakota in 1915. And she was a very strong Christian all of her life. Her dad was a dairy farmer and they wound up moving to California and Dorothy helped her father at the dairy farm until she finished at Long Beach and then went on to Pacific Union College, where she was the student supervisor of the college laundry and acclaimed by the college men as the best shirt ironer on the crew, which just tells you everything you need to know about Dorothy Moore. She was a woman of integrity, hard, hard work, took life very seriously, even though she had a great laugh and little giggle. She was just one in a million. She became the California State Spelling Champion, which is no easy feat, and the Greg Shorthand Gold Medalist. So she actually wound up teaching shorthand at Pacific Union College. She chose Dr. Moore for her husband, and she had been circled by quite a flock of male admirers, but she chose Raymond. And she went on to become a remedial reading specialist there in the state of California and also a faculty wife when her husband was teaching at University of Southern California, USC. And then they went on to have two children, birth children, Dennis and Kathleen, but they also raised seven chosen teenagers all the way through college. So in different situations, they would adopt children and uh, raise them as under the Lord. And Dr. Moore 
was called to Japan to become dean and then president of a school there. And of course, Dorothy shared that call in 1951. And they had such an impact there in Japan. They actually became friends with the future emperor. And he would come to their house unexpectedly. Dr. Moore would bring him for dinner. And Dorothy just wouldn't even be phased because she was the most organized, on top of things person you'll ever meet. And so she would just say, oh, another guest for dinner? Hello, (laughs) prince. And off they'd go. And the prince was so interested in the work-study program that the Moors instituted there in Japan at the college. It was based on work, study, and service, the three-legged stool that any of you have heard me speak, have heard me tout from Dr. Moore, three-legged stool, work, study, and service. And that is how you create a well-rounded student of character and integrity and just that work ethic, because when a child can work, They will teach themselves anything else they need to know. They also served in the ministry in the Philippines, and then Dr. Moore was offered a job at the United States Office of Education in Washington, D.C., where they moved. Dorothy also founded the Loma Linda University Cerebral Palsy Clinic. She was the founding director of that clinic there in California. And then for 40 years, she worked with her husband for two different research foundations, the Hewitt Foundation and then the Hewitt Moore Foundation. And she was the secretary, treasurer, and editor for those. And if you've read any of the Moore's books, you may not be aware of Dorothy's voice as the co-author. But because I know her voice so well, having sat under her teaching for many years, I just hear her in in her books and and his her husband's books uh dorothy kind of like um another podcast i did with mary dorset was the one that was always saying now let's be practical she had that same beautiful balance her husband was a visionary and a strategic planner and he would just cast these amazing dreams into the air and then Dorothy would bring them to pass because of her administrative expertise and her diligence and her faithfulness to detail which I just appreciated so so much she was a huge influence on my life I'd love to share a few stories with you first of all Dorothy was a person who believed in having a schedule. Now, sometimes when you would read, you know, homeschool materials, you think we're all just sitting around eating granola all day. But really, Dorothy brought that skeleton, that structure to the homeschool movement. She talked about having a day schedule, which was kind of a new concept for some old hippies like me who just thought we were just going to, you know, sit around and weave baskets and sing Kumbaya, but not with Dorothy Moore around. She was like, okay, uh, at 9 o'clock, your children do this. At 10 o'clock, they do that. At 11 and at 12. And she talked about children making the breakfast and cleaning it up, making the lunch and cleaning it up. She talked about never doing anything for your children they can do for themselves. And um, the idea of like a, a schedule in the morning, like when your children get up in the morning, they make their beds, they brush their teeth, and they get dressed. And then they meet in the kitchen to make breakfast. 
while mommy is nursing the baby or having a quiet time of her own. And then they call you in, and Dr. Moore used to talk about the children pulling the chair out for mommy when she gets to the table. And how we create these structures in our home and these schedules. She also talked about when they would adopt children or house different foster children over the years, that she told the story of a little girl that was used to having some pretty severe tantrums. And she kind of lived her life from one tantrum to the next. And so the first day that she tried that on Dorothy Moore, she didn't realize who she was dealing with, but she tried the tantrum routine on Dorothy Moore, and Dorothy just very calmly, refusing to be sucked into the vortex of this little girl's drama, Dorothy just very calmly said, you know, Susie, this is not a tantrum room. Excuse me, there's a truck going by, cutting down trees. She said, this is not a tantrum room. If you want to have a tantrum, the tantrum room is upstairs. And she walked her up to her bedroom, closed the door, and came downstairs. And later, the little girl came downstairs, and she realized, well, if I don't have an audience, what's the fun of throwing a tantrum? And that was the last tantrum that she threw in the Moore's home. So just that quiet confidence of being large and in charge, being an authority, not letting children push your buttons and anger you and frustrate you, because that just shows them that they're in charge. But you being quietly and confidently in charge, and what a powerful thing that is for children, and it gives them a real sense of security. Dorothy and Raymond were also known for their thrift. I've never met two people that knew how to save money better than they did. Uh, Dr. Moore used to take trains in, in New York City at a time when he worked there in Washington, and he would tell me how he'd wait till all the rich businessmen would get off the train and they'd all leave their Wall Street journals or whatever on the seat, and then he would go and pick it up and get a free newspaper that way every day. It just made me giggle because they were not poor people, but he just really had an understanding of thrift, having worked um, under General MacArthur in World War II and then living, of course, through the Depression as, as young people. And so they just had that amazing knowledge of how to live simply and yet still very richly. And um, Dorothy, uh, one day I complimented her. She was she had a beautiful figure. She used I used to say she had a figure like Audrey Hepburn, and Dr. Moore looked like Henry Fonda. They were just a gorgeous couple, tall and willowy thin, both of them. And one day I complimented Dorothy on this very stunning pair of shoes she was wearing at a seminar she was giving. And she told me how she'd gone to a thrift store and she had a very 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 narrow foot. I think it was an eight quad or something, which means very, very narrow, 4A. And she said she went into this thrift store and there were boxes of beautiful, expensive shoes, obviously from the same woman, all in her size. And I think she paid $3.50 for each of the shoes. And there are you know, obviously very costly shoes. And she was so proud of that. Instead of putting on airs and acting like she'd bought them at Neiman Marcus, she loved to share her little finds and, you know, what that had meant. On Sunday afternoon, February 5th, 
I will be in Loma Linda, California, teaching my basic seminar called A Literature-Based Approach to Education. And I have exciting news for you. My son, JJ, will be joining me to co-teach with me that day. In this seminar, we will teach you everything you need to know to keep homeschooling simple. Recently, someone said this, quote, Carol's seminars have been a breath of fresh air. They are realistic for the 21st century mom to implement. I'm no longer carrying a burden that's impossible to bear. I'm focusing on where each of my children are and creating a thriving family rhythm and culture. Join JJ and me and other like-minded families in Southern California to learn how to simplify homeschooling, focus on what matters most, and how to give your children a world-class education. Attendees will receive 11 pages of book lists, have access to a seminar-exclusive book sale, and have an opportunity to submit questions for the panel discussion at the end of the day. You don't want to miss it. And don't forget, dads and teens come with moms at no extra charge. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register today. Now back to the show. The things that Dorothy taught me are so diverse, but one thing that I think is very, very helpful is for your young children, she simplified it because very often when we come into the homeschool movement, we feel like uh, our children are preschoolers or kindergartners or maybe first grade. And that's when we're very insecure. We don't have the confidence that comes from homeschooling for a number of years where you start to feel like, I can do this. This is no problem. You don't have to push me around. I know what I'm doing. But in the early years when we just start out as homeschoolers, it can be very intimidating. And so Dorothy just gave this wonderful rule of thumb that I think is so helpful. She said, when your children are little, look at the life of the Lord Jesus. And as you see him as an adult, what were the things that he seemed very knowledgeable and very aware of? And she said they were three things, Bible, work, and nature. Bible, work, and nature. She said, as you spent time with Christ in the Gospels, what did he constantly do? He was always quoting the Old Testament, which was the only Bible, of course, that there was at that time, constantly quoting the Old Testament. He knew the word of God. When he was tempted three times by the devil in the wilderness, he quoted Deuteronomy three times because he knew it by heart. So he knew the scripture. And then when they talked about Jesus, they didn't call him Jesus the rabbi or Jesus the mystic or Jesus the hippie. They called him Jesus the carpenter. He was known by his profession and trade. And you know, in uh, Jewish history, it was considered irresponsible for a Jewish father not to give his child a trade. Even if he also had a profession like a rabbi, 
he still needed a trade. And so Paul had tent making. Jesus obviously had carpentry, which he learned from his father, Joseph, his adopted father. And so the concept of work, Jesus was a hard worker. He had worked his whole life. And then he knew the word of God. And then he also had a very intimate relationship with nature and God's creation. And he was always alluding to nature when he taught. He would talk about uh, the sower goes out to sow the seed and there's different types of soil. Or he talks about the ravens coming for the carcass. Or he's always talking about nature and using that as examples. And so Dorothy said he had a very strong knowledge of the workings of nature and God's creation. And so she would say to us, for your young children, those are the three subjects you want to build their academic foundation on. Bible, nature, work. Bible, nature, work. And it just simplifies things so beautifully. And I like to add three more things to Dorothy's uh, little triumvirate there and I'd like to add history as well and so for your younger children to take the little booklet turning back the pages of time (coughs) excuse me and adding that and studying American history with your young children in kindergarten or even you know pre pre pre-k so Dorothy's discipline her her joy of life also the amazing relationship she and Raymond had. You never saw her speak ill of her husband. She never competed with him or undermined him, even though she was a brilliant, capable woman. And the way that he would speak of her, they had the most beautiful marriage. You never saw them kind of push back against each other, but they were just so mutually supportive. And when they would give seminars together, Uh, Raymond would speak for maybe an hour, then Dorothy would speak for an hour, then Raymond again. And she would always sit on a stool, and but Raymond would stand up the whole day long. And at the end of the day, I remember once in Minnesota being with them as they did a seminar. And at the end of the day, I was utterly exhausted just from sitting there. And they got in their little red rental car fresh as two little teenagers and waved and drove off with big smiles at the end of a very, very long day. And of course, they're extremely conscious of their diet, of exercise. They just lived lives of disciplines. They were disciples of the Lord. And that discipleship really kind of filtered into every area of their lives. I highly recommend that you read Raymond and Dorothy's books. There are many of them, but um, I'll, I'll mention just a few for you. First would probably be if you could read one book. The book that launched the homeschool movement is a book called Better Late Than Early. Better Late Than Early. And what a powerhouse book that is on the benefits of delaying formal academics till children are older and more able to understand abstract thought. And then I'd love you to read the Successful Homeschool Family Handbook. The Successful Homeschool Family Handbook. And then if you're a trained educator, I think you'd really enjoy School Can Wait, which is like reading a PhD treatise 
on early childhood education and its um, really damage that it brings to young children. And uh, one of my favorites is a book called Mind Your Own, Minding Your Own Business on the power of entrepreneurship and work as children start their own businesses and uh, cooperate with family businesses. Such an important concept for children to really work, as Dr. Moore and Dorothy used to say, that they can work as soon as they can walk. They can work as soon as they can walk. So there are many books that they've written, but those would be my favorites, and I highly recommend you reading them. Uh, Some of them are out of print, and you might have to spend a fortune to get one, or you might uh, beg, borrow, and steal through interlibrary loan to get your hands on those books. But what important books they are, because as we do our homework, and as we go into homeschool, with knowledge and conviction, with an apology, a defense, so that we're not blown by every wind of doctrine. Just having that quiet confidence, which is our strength. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And Dorothy and Raymond Moore did their homework, and we're all so grateful that they did. So thank you for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com, caroljoyside.com, to subscribe to our weekly email and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings.